Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's Rugby Coffee Podcast time. It's episode 15 of the Rugby Podcast. And we're very honored today to welcome two gentlemen. One is a Kiwi, one is a Canadian. Um, you know, joining me and Tina's here on the podcast. And um, uh, Gary Diglo uh, and Clayton Pango. Um, both from our charity partner, BC Grassroots Rugby um, in Canada. So we've got two South Africans, a Canadian and a Kiwi and a podcast. What can go wrong? Well, actually, if I can, I can so, correct you. I, I, think, I think Clay is a Canadian citizen, is he not, as well? I am not. <laughs> oh, I thought for some reason that you got that ticket, but that's coming, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about that, Clay. <laughs> you um, devoted back to Kiwi there. Shots fired in the open. Um, so. Guys, welcome. We are delighted to have you. And, um, <laughs> uh, we're delighted to have you. And, you know, we, we are very uh, f- um, excited about our partnership and we're going to talk about it in this podcast and um so um tinas why don't you yeah, take it further everyone and uh, welcome back to the rugby coffee podcast Cornel, uh gary clayton good to have you guys uh, and everybody online we've been uh, trying to get this right and run everybody's uh, uh time zones in 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 conjunction with each other and synchronize the times and we've managed to get it right this afternoon welcome gents uh clayton gary uh if you guys can make me great, to be great here. man thank you i wanted to just say how are you guys doing maybe uh, uh let us know how you are where you're sitting currently uh and how, how your families do you want to start clay go ahead yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, guys. Um, I actually just rushed off the field here. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to coach all year round. Um, I coach at a local private school called Brentwood College. And, uh, yeah, no, doing great. Like, despite the pandemic, um, our guys are out playing some type of or some form of rugby. Um, so, yeah, my family's happy, uh, proud father of two young children and got a beautiful wife that, uh, that uh, is way out of my league, so I'm very, very fortunate. So, thanks for having having me here. Right, Gary. That that wife that is way out of the league is, is um, <laughs> a woman who's way out of her league in the country because I coached her for the national team, and uh, she's quite quite the person, and and so is Clay. So it's wonderful to see them producing rugby players. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah. I'm also, uh, we feel very lucky in the Valley in, in, uh, BC, the Cowichan Valley. Um, I also came off a field. I came off a field in Duncan. Um, and, uh, it was a special, um, class in grade five, six, seven younger kids. Um, and it was run by a local first nations boy who, um, is going to be involved in our program this summer, which we'll talk about later. Um, so it was just wonderful to see him working with these young kids and modeling the behaviors that, that this game uh, models. Um, and on the sideline, there was a, another First Nations uh, trustee. And so it was just a good feeling to come off the pitch and come here. And um, 
like clay, I've got a good setup here and, uh, I just recently retired. So I'm, uh, enjoying, um, life with flexibility. And, uh, so I'm doing, I'm helping clay. I, I don't have a, a major role other than I'm a front row supporter for him. I'll do anything for him. Um, I also am involved in volunteering at the local food bank. So with a few things through my week, I try to make time for my guitar and a few other selfish things, but I feel very lucky. I have two daughters as well. And uh, um, a wife who's still working. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. For for those uh, viewers that don't know, listeners that don't know, Cornet is based up in Twickenham in the UK in London. Uh, Myself, sitting down here in Windsor, Ontario, as a, a newly arrived uh, um, and, uh, immigrant and soon to be Canadian. Um, but very, very um, happy to have you guys all together here today on this call and, and chat about where Rugby Coffee is heading uh, in North America. Um, how fortunate we are to have uh, you know gotten in touch with a foundation like the BC Grassroots Foundation, the wonderful work you guys are doing. Um, so yeah, it's uh, as Cornet said, two South Africans, a Kiwi and a Canadian, uh, spread across three different time zones. Um, and uh, but let's get the ball going, Cornet. Maybe pass it back to you. Yes, you guys haven't actually given us a good idea where you oh, are yeah. based in BC. Or... So that'd be great to know. Um, so people can understand where where you're operating yeah, from. Yeah, so actually me and Gary are actually, what, maybe 10 minutes apart right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're located on Vancouver Island um, in a place called, or in a territory called Cowichan. Um, and, yeah, that's on the west coast of Canada. Awesome. Vancouver Island. How many boats and trips and... Um, Aeroplanes do you need to take to get there? Yeah, there's there's quite a few. There's um so for us to catch a ferry over to Vancouver, it's about an hour and a half um ferry ride. Um and that that's the the main choice I would say for transport. Would you agree, Gary? Yeah, definitely the main um way to but you can also fly over. Um a lot of float planes are being used because there's some Cool communities that aren't close to air. There's only two airports on the island, really. Actually, sorry, three because of the ski hill. But uh, but but we like that, and it's good for our property values because it keeps it, um, you know, <laughs> very very peaceful. So it's a good place to be, and it's also, I would say, <laughs> um, one of the hotbeds of rugby. One of the reasons that I I came to the island originally was because of the rugby and UVic the UVic program, but. Um, it's a very special place, and we welcome you guys to come and visit us sometimes. Most definitely. Most That'd definitely. Yeah, Guinness. I wanted to say uh, Canada is so beautiful, and especially where you guys are out on Vancouver Island, uh, uh, incredible views and uh, just amazing uh, nature. But uh, you me- mentioned briefly the fix, uh, uh, and were you involved, you know, um, Clayton, um, obviously you guys with the Rugby Foundation are involved uh, specifically, but where in other ways are you involved with the game? Where are you currently coaching? Where is the game taking you? Um, I don't know who wants to go first. Clayton, I see you got something to say there. 
Gary, I think I think Gary should go on this one. Gary's Gary's got a great story. Well, no, I, I I like the way it started with you leading, but because that's the way we do things with grass grassroots. But um, no, I, I um, the game has been, I'm, you know, when I look at my life and my different jobs throughout, they've all been connected to the to the game. Um, I was from the Okanagan Valley. I was a football player. I liked to hit people. I liked hockey, um, but I didn't like the military. Uh, sort of attitude in football. And, and in the seventies, I played university level football and the coach came and grabbed my long hair out of the back of my helmet. And I realized then that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to play this game much longer. Um, and rugby was a game that a friend of mine from high school was playing at UVic. And he said, Duke, you got to come over here. Um, and I did. And uh, I never left. It's it, the game was always in me, and uh, I just feel so lucky to have uh, been able to play at different levels, to be able to coach throughout in private and public schools and play overseas for a bit. And uh, so now as I reflect um, after retiring, I, I, I really do feel that that I want to give back and, and, and at, the, at this level for sure. Um, as I said earlier, I coached Clay's wife, who was one of the best players I ever coached, men or women. Uh, for the national team from 2011 to 2017. Uh, and I coached some other national teams on the men's side. But to me, this is more important, to be honest. And I don't think it's just because I'm an old front row guy, but uh, in this country, we have to focus at the bottom. For sure. Yeah, totally. For sure. I completely agree okay. with it. And for That's probably amazing. some people that don't really know the landscape, Gary was actually the assistant coach um, when the Canadian woman won silver at the 15th World Cup. So, you know, I'm pretty lucky to get to work with a guy that I have so much respect for. So um, in terms of my story, um, well, as you know, I grew up in New Zealand, um, probably like yourselves, Cornet and Tennis. I, you know, I picked up the ball probably as soon as I exited the womb. So, you know, I played on a team since, since I was four and a half years old. And, uh, I played all the way up in New Zealand. I was a part of the County Steelers uh, development system and played U20s for counties. And then um, a coach at the time, you know, I was like, hey, I want to go like play overseas and see what that's about. And um, and I, I, in my head, I was like, okay, it's probably going to be England or France or Australia. And my coach said, oh, why don't you try this place called Vancouver Island? And um, I was like, what? <laughs> Like that's where we're at, and um, it sounds bad, but um, I came here and I just fell in love with the place. The rugby was a great standard. The people were so welcoming. Um, I got to see a country that is beautiful and quite similar to where I was, and a um, bit of a an easy transition, I would say. And you know, I was actually meant to go home three and a half months after coming here. I was meant to play a short season and then go straight back into my, my rep stuff. And uh, yeah, the um, yeah, what I had here kind of outweighed what I had there, and I just loved it. And you know, that first year there, my club team that I joined here, we went to the provincial final, which um, <laughs> I look back on now and just think, wow, what an opportunity that I had then to, you know, maybe win a championship in my first year. That didn't happen. And then we were always competitive. Um, stayed here for a while. I joined a team called the Vancouver Island Crimson Tide. 
and played a little bit there. And then I moved over to England for a year and I played for a club in National 3 called Maidenhead, based out of uh, southwest London. And then I moved back and a bit of a wild move. I moved to what we call the prairies here, so kind of the the middle and the flat flatlands between here and and Toronto. So I was based in Calgary for four years. And I would say that's where I had my most success in rugby. I played for a provincial team that we didn't have a lot of depth. So I I, I was lucky enough to play most games and um, got to walk into a, a leadership role on a team that already had some really great leaders. And from there, I I ended up playing for the national team. So um, I retired from rugby two and a half years ago now. And, um, you know, I miss I miss the playing. I miss the camaraderie that we have. And um, But being able to work in rugby, I know that I'm so fortunate. And to be able to build this foundation that we have, um, you know, I'm just I'm just so excited to one stay in rugby and two to kind of what Gary mentioned, build this thing from the bottom. So, you know, I think we're going to have some some long lasting, meaningful um, impact on the game here. It sounds good. You you guys talked about you know a lot of things. And you can see passion coming through, and uh, you know, um, once you get involved in the game, like you said, Gary, yourself, you know, um, just the values and the, we talk about it almost every podcast, but where did you, how did you see that passion? Where, what values really attracted um, you to the game and, and which ones do you still really live by and, and coach and teach as you go around? Well, I um, I recognized it. The first everybody remembers their first coach. Um, when we were playing football, I played for a, a big football team as a high school student, and and we used rugby as a way to practice our tackling um, off season. And uh, that wasn't very good for our faces because tackling in football is quite different. But uh, but we loved it, and there was this huge presence physically. And spiritually, uh, this big man that came out, he was so different than any other football player that I'd seen. Um, and he was he was one of those sort of open-minded guys who respected us a lot, had a lot of fun with us, beat us up. We beat him up. Um, but he was just a good guy. And he started talking about some things that happened in the game before and after. Um, and as soon as I saw that, I realized that that that, that was my game. Um, because I like, I like aggressive sports, you know, I got no problem with, I like MMA. I like all that stuff, but there has to be some values, values behind it and some respect. And that's what attracted me to rugby. And, uh, and that attitude, I, I quickly saw, I went on a tour my first year of university and I saw it over in Europe and I realized that, you know, if the whole world played rugby, um, we'd be all a lot better off. And, and I, I used to say that in the university pub and people would stare at me, but, um, but I still believe it. Like there's a, there's a hidden culture or a hidden set of values, a code, if you like, that um, is everywhere. 
And, and you guys know what I'm talking about because you play the game. And so my goal is to introduce this to young kids um, early to help them on their way to whatever they do. I, I, I'm a bit of a random talker because I'm like years in the front row. Yes, go, Clayton, sorry. The, the value. No, that's all right. The, yeah, the values for me, um, it, it, that's an interesting question, Corne. Um, I, I would say that, you know, because where I grew up, we didn't really, I don't know if we talked about the values of rugby. It was just something that was almost ingrained. Um, and, and I remember when I moved here, actually, a, a great coach of mine, uh, a guy by the name of Graham Moffat in, in Calgary, you know, we were doing some things that were just like uncharacteristic of the game. And, and he sat me down, we went for coffee and, and he, he just said to me, so Clay, what are your values? And and, and I sat there and I, and I, I just like thought to myself, what, you know, like it, it's one of those questions that stumped me. And um, from that point on, I started thinking about things differently. And I would, I would, I would say like, I would say one value that I have, and it's something that I just picked up last year from one of our employees, um, Randall, and it's servanthood. You know, servanthood is just like it's service to your community, service to the game, and I think that that's a big piece. And I look around me. Um, I'll show you guys this room actually. Um, the values of the game. Like I'm sat in a Canadian Legends, um, I guess kit room named Shane Thompson. So I'll just show you guys this. But you know, he just said to me, "Oh, why don't you go take the podcast in in my room?" So I'll just give you guys a little browse around here, but it's just, uh, you know, there's, there's stuff from his day and he was one of the most capped guys in, in Canadian rugby. But back to my point about the values, like, yeah, I, I would just say servanthood is a big thing for me and um, being able to continue to ask my, that question to myself that my coach asked me, it really keeps me aligned. and. Um, you know, in this role that we're in, like, you know, it's all service. So it's something that I'm so proud of. It's fantastic. That's cool. I've, um, I mean, you guys, uh, it's, the, it's the same thing everywhere you go and rugby. Um, and I remember when we spoke to DTH on the podcast, um, brand ambassador for Rugby Coffee, and he, he, I, I, and it came up uh, uh, last World Cup 2019, and the um, Canadian team after, um, you know, uh, what was what happened there? The typhoon yep. came through, and uh, the Canadian team afterwards went and they went out and they helped the community trying to clear up and help, you know, and that again servanthood. Um, that's something, you know, you can be proud when you're a rugby, a part of a rugby community because you know that's that's the attitude. So, no, it's great. Um, Tinez, I don't know if you yes, wanted to I say wanted something. To, um, most definitely. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, Cornet, I can see the, the passion just bubbling out of both of you when we talk about rugby. I know Clayton and I speak regularly uh, in the week as well, and uh, it's always a good laugh and, and all of it. But what stands out for me is what Rugby Coffee, our slogan is, it's a way of life in, in, in all our lives. 
Um, it's, it's the way we live. It's the way we approach our business and it's the way we approach um, the game. Entrenched in the game are the values and, and those values for myself too. Um, only years later now does it make far more sense and, and I value it far more dearly and I almost, I almost uh, protect it uh, um, with far more vigor. Um, for, and what the game stands for. But um, to get back to, to you know, our draft that we sent out, we always, I always get sidetracked. And Grenada reminds me, look, uh, it's, not a, it's not the game uh, and you can do what yeah. you want as a fly-off. I know I'm surrounded can I, by forwards. Can I, yeah. yeah, so I was going to ask, um, I'm, I'm a, a loose <laughs> forward. So I know, and I know, Gary, you played in the front row, but where we did, were you able to swing um, across? Were you? Uh, oh, you mean both sides in the um, front row? Um, to be honest, I, I was a loose head. Um, I was probably built to be number six, and I wanted to play number six at university, and so I played loose head on Saturdays, and I played I played in the back row on Sundays for the third team to try to show them that I should be in the back row. And and one of Charlie McLaughlin, one of my favorite hookers of all time, said to me, Duke, you know, you have a shot at the national team in the front row. You don't have a chance in the back row. So uh, so I stopped chasing that dream and, and I played, just played loose head. Uh, and to be honest, I, I had a, a wonderful opportunity over in Japan um, at Kobe Steel before it became a famous club. And uh and they wanted me to uh, to play tight head, and I, and I said for sure. Um, but uh, it it was not easy. So when you hit when announcers say, "Oh yeah, they can go back and forth," that doesn't happen very often. And I'm and to this day, I, I study the front row for forty five minutes every morning on the TV. Um, it's you can't compare the two positions. Um, but I did my best uh, with what I had at the time, and it worked out okay. Um, but I think I became a better tight head. I was a scrum specialist, so I became a better tight head coach because I wasn't as good at it because I had to dissect it. And um, so I would say, no, I was not a good tight head. Um, uh, I would drop it rather than go backward. Um, I was a better loose head. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. You had that chance, you know, and that shows you, you know, that um, coaching experience that you now can um, part with, you know. Um, Clayton. Yeah. Back rower? Yeah, so I was a fairly undersized back rower and a fairly slow midfielder. So I started, <laughs> <laughs> I, I started um, my rugby as, as a number seven. So... Um, as a young fella, um, all the way up to U20s. And then I came to Canada and my coach said, actually, we've got, you know, these really big forwards here, so we're going to use you at inside centre. So I said, okay, let's do it. And, um, you know, I was I was just always about the team. I did whatever we needed. So I, I ended up playing 12 for like five years. And in the back of my mind, I always thought, you know, I really want to be in the forwards. I really want to be over there, but I'm going to go run some lines here. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it was, it was when I returned from England that I said, okay, I'm done with the backs. Uh, I'm going to go back to the forwards. And I would have been about 25, 26. And, uh, 
yeah, same coach that I talked about in, earlier in Calgary. I said, hey, like, I know that everyone knows me as this guy, but I want to be this guy. And um, <laughs> so, anyways, all right, you're our number eight. And uh, I never looked back. So I, I played number eight for the national team and number six. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Good work. That's great. Yeah. No, um, we, 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 we certainly, Tina's would have been in the same hands <laughs> if we, we were out there because, you know, he was very good at his kicking and he's very good at his distribution. So um, we would have, we would have, um, loved him keeping us going forward, and he would have loved us giving For him sure. the ball, you know. So we would have had your back, Luke. Um, yeah, Tinez, would you carry on to the next next bit? Because um, I know we've been what's it, twenty five minutes now, and we can talk for hours. I think most definitely um, when it comes to the ball in the game. But uh, guys, off the field, let's talk a bit off the field as well before we get into the foundation and and you guys main aims and where it's heading what do you keep yourselves with outside of rugby I don't know Gary maybe you want to go first again sure um, I, I had a very busy career I always had I did things 12 months of the year despite being a teacher so um, and I realized coming up to retirement that I had to sort of practice um, and, and so I stopped doing what I used to do a rugby academy in the summer and, and, a, and the summer program at a local private school. So I, I sort of practiced on what to do with my free time. And um, I, I, I realized that there had to be some things. And, and like Clay, I'm, I'm a service oriented person, always have been. I got that from my family and uh, I ran the service program at Shawnigan and of all the things that I've done as a teacher, I think the service piece is probably the most important. And, and Randall was one of um, the guy that Clay talked about was in the service club at Shawnigan and he taught me stuff. So it's cool when your kids or your students or your players teach you as an adult and that's still happening. So, so I I'm service based and I'm, I'm in the food bank a couple of times a week, um, which is just one of my favorite times during the week because it reminds me how lucky I am and, and I want to give back to our community uh, in Duncan in any way that I can. I have a hard time saying no, so I have to be careful that I don't jump into some other things because um, I feel sometimes that I want to, but I promised my wife I'd have the dinner on on the table every night and, and help her in the mornings with breakfast, and I'm, I'm enjoying that role. Um, and uh, I'll be cooking dinner for her tonight. So, so I'm in I'm in the world of service, um, but in a selfish way because I still have lots of fun. Um, I, I'm actually swimming in the ocean these days in the morning, and I after my workouts. And so I'm I feel really lucky, really lucky. Um, but but service is the way that I want to finish. Awesome, fantastic. Uh, for me. Um... I'm a I'm a father of of two, so uh, my wife is a, an entrepreneur, and um, she I feel like I'm giving a plug here to her company. Shout out! Um, she runs a business called Aptuala Rugby Apparel, which is specialised for women, um, and she's been very successful in that since uh, well since 2012. So when I'm not when um, when I'm not working, I'm with my kids. Um, and the only time I'm away from my kids is if I'm working. So 
Uh, we're at an interesting point here with COVID. So our child has been um, on the wait list for preschool. So it's been a real balancing act in, in terms of uh, our free time. So off the field, like that, that's all that I'm really focused on. And that's, that's um, or outside of the foundation, that's, that's where I want to put my time. And I, I just, yeah, like, like you guys, I'm sure I just love being around my kids. <laughs> yeah, I also have my two boys and it's, and they're still very young. So it's great if you have time with them to spend as much time with them. Um, but no, it's, 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 it's fantastic. And we, we got to a point when Tina's went over to Canada and Tina's played in Canada at, at some point and he could tell us more about it, but um, his connections opened up opportunity for us. To, uh, at some point we spoke to um, Mike at um, Canadian uh, Rugby Foundation, and um, and then Absolutely. this happened, you know, BC Grassroots Rugby. So can you guys give us an idea how BC Grassroots Rugby started um, and what it is all about? Yeah, so uh, BC Grassroots, you know, technically it started um, – I believe it was the weekend of February 7th. We were down at a place in Seattle watching the Seattle Seawolves against Toronto Arrows. Um, but prior to that, we had spoken about this thing for about two years and did the groundwork to get it off the ground in that time. So um, it started with, with mainly just, you know, like anything good in rugby. I think over a couple a cup of coffee or a cup of beer or a glass of beer and um, then we started connecting the dots and created a partnership with uh, an organization in Ontario called the Toronto Inner City Rugby Foundation. Um, we already had that relationship established through some of our work that we did with the Canadian Rugby Foundation. Um, and Amanda and Cassie and their team over there, they do just an amazing job. And um, they kind of said, okay, this is kind of how we do it. Obviously, it doesn't, you know, doesn't exactly apply to to the west coast so we took that information um, and essentially wrote up a 30-page document to the government to say hey this is what we think we want to do and this is what what rugby is about um, and yeah that, that's that's how it all started and Mike Holmes who you mentioned has just been instrumental um, the Canadian Rugby Foundation um, and yeah you know we just have some some amazing people involved behind the scenes, obviously Gary. Um, yeah. Our board is just stacked full of people who genuinely care about the growth of the game. So um, yeah, very lucky in that regard. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's exploded from there. So exciting times. So I'll just, just add a couple of yeah, things. Um, what is um, Mike? asked me to be a board member at the beginning and it didn't take me very long when I started reading the documents <clears throat> to say yes. And, and the more I'm involved, the more I listen to Clay and your guy, you guys are listening to him right now, the more inspired I am because what's unique about this. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from Clay's personality is it, it's about building things. It's not about comp competing. It's not about territory. 
rugby attracts um, a lot of egos and, and, and you get this sort of silo thing happening. It happens all over the world. I know it certainly happens in Canada, but you know, we're into our second year now and, and all I'm seeing are those, those fences being broken because of the way clay has handled this and, the clubs understand what we're doing. The provincial unit union now understands what we're doing. And I'm seeing things that I've never seen in my whole career in terms of people going, oh, I never thought about doing it that way. So um, I, I just see a great opportunity, not just for, you know, the kids that I work with today who, who don't have any money to join sports teams, but at every single level, like we're sort of going into the cracks and we're, we're feeding those cracks with, the seeds of grassroots. And, and I'm just so excited about the possibilities because um, yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and it's very organic. Like, you know, I, I taught entrepreneurship and business and economics and, you know, some people have said, do, you know, where's the five-year plan. But in my mind, it, this is so cool that, and like a lot of places these days, um, you know, you have to be, you have to pivot quickly. You have to move. You, you can't have a five-year plan. Um, but what Clay's done so far is amazing. Um, and I'm just excited to be part of it. Um, and, uh, and I'll do whatever I have to do for him. Oh, that's amazing, guys. That's great. That's great to hear. I, um, as Kone mentioned, I was fortunate uh, to – I'm married to a Canadian, my beautiful wife as well, Ines. And um, it, that's how we ended up here in Canada now. But in 2010-11, when I was out here, I, what you mentioned now, Gary experienced a little bit of that almost the territory and, and uh, you know, fiefdom, uh, if you want to almost call it. And uh, anyways, to the detriment of the game, but needing to get to right where rugby is not played, uh, introducing the game to kids at a younger age, um, all of those things are, are things that was firstly very appealing when we heard and after we spoke to Mike, uh, uh, what you guys do for myself and for Cornet and for Rugby Coffee and what we stand for. It's always been about making a difference, uh, getting into communities, affecting change. Uh, and, you know, that rugby is a vehicle uh, that uh, allows that and then coffee, the, the product, to be able to to reach and really affect change at the end of the day, but um, it's it's inspiring stuff. And uh, yeah. you know, from the from the grassroots foundation um, specifically, the I don't know if it's a, a side project for me. It's one of the most legendary uh, projects I've witnessed in in the last uh, year amongst all the doom and gloom of the pandemic. The fifteen months that for the viewers or the listeners out there watching this 15 months I've been without rugby. I'm drooling uh, and I'm chomping at the pit. You guys are coaching right through the pandemic. Cornet was like a, a big man at a live rugby match last night watching. And I've still not seen any rugby or any action. But yeah. yeah, the long and short of it is um, <laughs> that, that, that's our life. That's what we do. And, and, and that's what attracted us. But the, the Lone Oaks Legends Rugby Club, uh, I saw there was a rugby field being built on an island somewhere. And that was, you know, I didn't connect the dots then because I didn't know Clay Ponga, BC Grassroots, but it's all there now. Take us away and explain to us more about this legendary project that's happening. Yeah, so um, 
yeah, again, it's, it's one of those ideas that kind of brews over a coffee or a beer. And um, I was out, uh, Mike Holmes actually owns the property um, and it's on a place called Hornby Island. So if you drive on Vancouver Island north um, about two hours, um, you'll catch two ferries. Both are about 10 minutes long. The first one you drive, you sail for 10, you drive for 15 across another island, jump on a, another ferry, and then uh, sail to Hornby Island. But um, I, I don't really want to give away too much about the location, but it's the most beautiful place <laughs> I've ever really been in. <laughs> um, white sand beaches, crystal clear water, um, and just, yeah, just, just, you know, paradise, like tucked away. Um, we already live in a pretty paradise site. So anyways, uh, yeah, we were walking around the property one day and Mike, as, as he does, he turns to me and says, Clayster, uh, I think I want to put a rugby field out here. And, um, uh, you know, I'm all for ideas. It, it's COVID. It's a pandemic. I said, okay, this could be the ultimate COVID project. Let's do it. So we went out with our tape measure and uh, we started marking out this, you know, this, what we call a mini field. And, um, yeah, and then, you know, I, I decided that I, I was going to turn into a lumberjack for a bit. So um, went and purchased myself a nice chainsaw. We bought a wood mill. And uh, the plan was to, you know, the trees that we were going to take down, we'll mill them up and use them for the clubhouse. So, you know, Mike Mike's pretty uh, efficient when it comes to things. So he had all the plans drawn up. Um, he has his own builder. And, um yeah, so Pat Woodland gave us a plan, and then we went to work. So every spare weekend I had, or uh, or any time I had, I was up on Hornby Island just um, clearing land. You know, before we knew it, you know, we had bought a digger, we bought this wood mill, a couple of chainsaws, and this project's fully <laughs> on. And um, yeah, so we've we've cleared the space, and as Mike does, you know, we started measuring it out again, and uh, actually, it's too small. So, so then we now we're at the point where we're we're going to extend it another twenty five meters, and um, yeah, that that's where the project's at. The Lone Oak name actually comes from uh, when we were clearing the land um, where the property is. Is an old oak grove out the front, and uh, where we were clearing, we found a, a lone oak tree, um, and yeah, Mike was like, that would be a great name for our club. So that's where the name Lone Oak comes from. And, you know, I've been lucky enough within the restrictions to be able to take some of my friends up there and there's lots of space for social distancing and, you know, just a servanthood thing. Guys are like, yeah, I'm jumping in. Let's go. You need me to chop wood? Okay, I'm in. You need me to clear land? Okay, let's do it. So, you know, as of late, the restrictions have tightened up a bit, so we haven't been able to put much time in. But... um. It's looking like June 1st we'll, we'll send a crew up there and the Lone, Oaks, the Lone Oaks will be active again. Nice. How long to go? It's such, a, such, such an incredible, you know, if you think about um, places where a rugby pitch or a rugby clubhouse and a pitch yeah. would be, it sounds like a perfect place, one of those places you want to visit, you know. Yeah, so we can just – Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just, to, just to add on to what Clay's, the magic that he's done. When they told me about that, the beer that they had and that, I said, you guys are nuts. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I still think that. I'm waiting for the next crazy project. But, but, but there's something unique about the West Coast. And I, I play, for, I'm very, a very proud 
member of the Cowich and Rugby Club. And uh, when I was at UVic, I had, you know, a number of different options and, and I went to Cowich and they, they were zero and nine or something, but there's something about their character um, that attracted me and it still does. And we have a, a clubhouse that's, that's made of big logs. And, um, and whenever yeah. a team comes from all over the world and there's been teams from every country, they go, wow, this is unbelievable. So I know what the magic of a log house does for people. Uh, we have a piano in there and a, and a fireplace and uh, it's an experience you'll never forget. So to take that to the next level on Hornby Island. And the other cool thing about this is that Clay's told all the presidents and uh, of, of all the clubs and they're thinking that's the house of houses. Like that's the ultimate rugby club. So again, yeah. it's bringing people together. It's, it's a fantastic idea. I haven't been yet, but I'll get there soon. Yeah. Well, I hope to be uh, get there soon as well. I promise you <laughs> I, that. I know I'm laughing a lot while I talk about it, but it is, it is just one of those things that, you know, you dream about doing. And um, um, kind of our, our, going back to your question, Corne, timeline, we kind of said eight months would be our, our um, turnaround time. But um, going by how slow we are at logging and unskilled at milling, <laughs> um, that might be a couple years, but, um, the ultimate goal was to actually, cause we, you know, we didn't know there were so many uncertain things coming out of the pandemic. Okay. Maybe this is a place where, you know, if we can't run rugby, we can have socially distance camps for these kids that, you know, need something and probably don't have the means to get here. So that was kind of the, the base dream. And then as we started moving along, you know, there's a program here called The Pride run by Jamie Cudmore and spoke to Jamie about it. And it's a place where, you know, programs like that could come and get off the grid and center themselves and get aligned and all of that good stuff. So um, that that's where it came from in the dream. No, that's fantastic. That's fantastic, Clayton. Um, clubhouses specifically in Canada, um, there's not a lot and not a lot of rugby clubs can claim to have a clubhouse, but it it, 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 it gives you that home, as you said, Gary, uh, that uh, a home of homes and uh, it's part of the game and it's something that's entrenched uh, so deeply. I would have been up there, I told you many times on the phone in the last six months because I'm uh, restricted from traveling and, and <laughs> can't really do anything as well whilst waiting for residency and stuff. So I've been offering my services for six months virtually to Clayton. Uh, what an incredible project, but and uh, what great. Yeah, your, your resume is in the pile. <laughs> I'm sure every rugby player in the world your resume is wants to get involved there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely brilliant. We'd love to have you. So anytime, when No, I'll get up. So can we just go back this once, one sort of, before that we were talking about Grassroots Rugby, BC Grassroots Rugby Foundation. Give us an idea of how, what, what have you been able to do? What's your operation like? And what are your aims for for the charity itself and and how much success have you had? Yeah, so um, in year one we were we were approved to hire uh, twelve staff, um, and you know that we got the approval in February. Pandemic hit, 
um, in March. So we delivered as much as we could um, during those uncertain times where there were no restrictions. But then the restrictions hit, so we had to, you know, just like rugby, we had to adapt and adjust, and we moved our platform to virtual. Um, so we had a whole bunch, you know, we had some really great workers, and, you know, we've already talked about Randall, Aaron. Um, they kind of designed this online platform where, you know, athletes, kids could just jump onto a call, and we invited um, some of Canada's top athletes or rugby players. Um, one that springs to mind that was awesome was Kelly Russell. Um, she went to the Olympics, won a bronze in rugby. And, you know, just, just kind of we had to shift the program because like like anything with funding, right, like you have to be able to prove that there was value and that you did what you said you were going to do. So that was year one. Um, year two we got approved for 46 positions. So 12 to 46, we, you know, almost quadrupled. Um, and our programming, you know, we are so much more prepared because we know the, um, we kind of know where we're at with the pandemic. And we were also able to um, keep two employees involved throughout the year. Um, so just our planning wise, like I'm so excited for, this season um july and august because yeah we've got a we've got a roadmap and we've actually extended the areas that we work in so for people that aren't familiar with vancouver island you know we we were kind of um the lower half of vancouver island um is where we operated last year now we're all the way across the island and then we've branched onto the mainland of canada um, into a place called Kelowna. Um, which is actually, as Gary mentioned, his hometown. So um, we've really experienced some some great growth there. And, um, you know, we've thrown some metrics around about what type of impact we want to have this year. Last year, we had 500 kids come through our program. And, um, you know, this year, it's a bit of a magic number. Um, and there is some type of um, calculation here, but like, we, we kind of want to impact 5,000 kids is the goal. So, um, again, it comes back to, to the landscape and the pandemic. But, you know, that's kind of the success that we've experienced and kind of the the vision and, and the way we're moving. So, so That's great. And in your programs, what, what, is, how do, what does it consist of? Um, so people can know um, what kind of kids are you trying to attract and how do you want to try and help them, um, you know, through the game as well? Yeah, so we um, our, our goal is to break down all barriers. Um, it was mentioned earlier on the call, but, you know, there's just a, a massive increase in, pay to, in the pay-to-play model. Um, so a big thing... Like for me growing up, I know that I couldn't afford to play sport here. Like no matter what sport it is, I've looked into it and it's very expensive, um, in my opinion. Um, so we wanted to break down that barrier um, financially and then geographically kind of get into the communities that didn't have access to sport. Um, so, yeah, we really want to be a big, big part in the First Nations community, um, any communities of, you know, that, that don't have the, 
the means that a lot of us are fortunate to have. So, so that that's kind of my piece. Gary, anything on that? Yeah, I'll just add a bit. We had a meeting, actually, a financial meeting. Was it yesterday, Clay? I can't remember. Was it two days ago? Um, Yesterday. (laughs) It's happening so fast. Because of Clay's success last year, obviously, the federal government recognizes that this is special. So, you know, to triple the amount of employees is is amazing. Um, but, But what we talked about was, as Clay said, everybody has to have access and it's a model that will involve, you know, if, if you can't afford, you know, the insurance, for example, from BCRU, we're going to look after you. Um, but there's, but we've got some amazing coaches and Clay's one of them who, who could coach at the highest level and have coached at the highest level. So we feel that we can attract all the different groups. And, and if you can afford to pay, then, then you'll pay because, so it's, what I like about it is that it's not just for one group, it's for everybody. Um, and I'm going to really focus on working um, at the lower end, uh, socioeconomically, for example, to make to ensure that those kids and those families that, that we will find something for them. Um, but at the high end, you know, why why shouldn't some of the people that can afford help to subsidize those that can't? Because because, you know, the game is bigger than money. Right. So it again, it's it's a unique theme and and we're working on it um it's not perfect yet it's gonna continuously evolve but uh but that really excites me we're not going to turn anybody away um for example when i started coaching last year at the high school coming out of the private schools i went to the laundry and grabbed a big bucket of boots i had about 20 30 pairs of boots and and some kid showed up with a pair of running shoes that that didn't even have any soles on them and we were scrummaging so i said Hey, buddy, just go over there and, and there's a pair of blue boots. I want you to try them on. And uh, and just, you know, seeing him change in that 20-minute session and then say to me, thanks, coach, here's the boots. And I said, no, those are yours. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, that excites me. So we're going to try to help everybody for sure with this program. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic, guys. No, it's, it's big. I can see it's already... Yeah, I can see it's already sort of, um, you know, overachieving and, and it's going the way you want it to go. And then there's added things and new things coming up and, and you're happy to take that on and, and work with it and make it and be organic, like you said earlier, Gary. And, and for us uh, as Rugby Coffee, we, we, when we started with the idea, was the idea was about how can we give kids who can't pay an opportunity to have a place where they find their identity, learn some values, enjoy the game for what it is, um, even if that is something that's just a small part to see how can we do that. And and then coffee became the product. And, um, and now we sort of in a st- still very small, very in the, in the beginning stages of it, but we are um, we launched in the U- U.S. and Canada, so North American market this uh, March, and we've got the U.K. and Europe going. So we are starting to sort of make some traction, and we can't wait to be able to sort of add something to your program and to our charities. So um, we're very excited. But um, in terms of that alignment, everything aligns for us, and this this is why we are partners in this now. Um, and um, 
coffee is a big culture. You know, rugby is a big culture and it's a lifestyle. Coffee is a lifestyle as well. So my question, our question to you guys is your favorite coffee and what sort of, how do you prepare it? Do you, at home now at COVID, did you find new methods that you actually, oh, yes, this, uh, why didn't I know about this earlier in my life? Or is there something that you say, no, this is my coffee. I like my, my black Americano just the way I do it and, you know, Give us an insight uh, into your Let me just start with this one, Claire. Do you want to? So no, I'll, I'll say that, that first of all, uh, you guys, when we first had our session informally, I, I just felt the connection, uh, and and I and I still I feel it stronger now. Um, I'm I like my coffee, and and it's it's a it's a morning routine for me. Lately, I've been taking uh, my two cups in a pot, and I go and I sit on the beach, and I, I don't take my phone purposely. And I focus on the beach and the coffee. Um, I take it black. Um, your coffee, you, you, you promised that it would be good. It is excellent. And, and we live in one of the, the best coffee zones, I think, in BC. And Clay's lived in a number of places. But um, there's a couple of local places that are, are, are very famous. And, uh, and I like good coffee. And I, and I love your coffee, for sure. Um, and I, I use it. I also use an AeroPress system. Um, if I want to have one before my workout, if I want to have two, I go to the brewery, but uh, or the brew method. But um, no, you guys have like it's just such a good idea because we're all talking about a game that brings people together. Um, food brings people together, beer brings people together, and coffee brings people together. So for me, it's a no-brainer, and I and I hope you guys. Um, Get the things done that you want to get done because it's a great idea for the right reasons. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And that's exciting for us. And just exciting to be um, being able to sort of share it with um, you guys. And then hopefully that will uh, be a long standing partnership. And we see many kids through your work and then a little bit of that we can add to it, you know get um, fantastic experience, a fantastic opportunity. So we're excited about it. Clay, what's your, what's your um, coffee routine or your favorite coffee? Totally. So um, you know, <laughs> I feel like I keep saying this, but, you know, me and my wife are surviving on coffee right now because um, we're kind of in the thicket <laughs> of kids and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Kicking Horse, Drum Roaster. Those are kind of uh, some – some local coffees um, fog like lifter the- fog lifter pitch it out <laughs> <laughs> um, and just with a bit of milk but I, I grew up like i grew up drinking instant coffee you know like <laughs> it was you know the stuff that you get in almost the powder form so when i moved to canada i got introduced to tim hortons and uh you know for those that don't know it's the the coffee chain across the country and you know my eyes just were like yeah, opened. So indulged in probably a few too many double doubles as a young fella. And um, when summer came around, you know, ventured into the ice caps. But nowadays, it's just, yeah, a bit of coffee with a bit of milk. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. No, we, we, we obviously excited to sort of get our joie, joie, which is our dark roast and our 
crowd favorite, which is our medium roast, just known across Canada and the USA. And um, we're very excited to get it into your hands, people. So, Tinas, did, did you want to say yeah, anything so on top of that? Well, firstly, the the 16-ounce travel mug, Kunai and I was discussing it right before the show started, and you were saying it's 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 too big. I said to him, the Canadians love coffee, and a too big a mug, the bigger the mug is, the more they like it. Yeah. So uh, it's it'll be filled all the time. No, guys, I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, the whole time we've been speaking, and since we started speaking, uh, the very first phone call with Mike, it's been synergy that stands out, synergy between what you guys stand for, what you're doing, uh, yeah. synergy, almost when you launched during the pandemic as well, the vision you had, Clay, um, and it's passion that's driven it. It's, um, you know, it's your love for the game. Um, it's all our love for the game. You know, I asked the question earlier, I said, what do you guys do outside of rugby? Well, what we do outside of rugby is we teach, we coach, uh, but we coach rugby. Um, the, the coffee, the product has just been the vehicle now that we're able to use to, to, to get even more involvement into the game. And the business model has been, as Kone said, to attach after, you know, we launched in a country, find a, a charity, a reputable charity, transparent charity that's really affecting change on the ground. And I want to lift my coffee mug and say cheers to what you guys are doing, mate. The exponential growth in two years from 12 to 46 well done. Keep doing the great work you're doing, uh, Gary. You guys are you guys are awesome. Keep it up. But uh, from that perspective, uh, I think uh, I want to say, what is it more that the Canadian public can do right now to help? I know you and I have a lot of conversations, as I say, Clayton, and busy talking about what can be done down here and the far south uh, of Canada or the south, yeah. southern Ontario, uh, the, the black zone, as I want to call it. But we are going to do something, and then that's coming for sure. Uh, what can the Canadian public do to help? What can the rugby community yeah. do to help more? Yeah, so, so there's a few things. Like um, um, we have a charitable fund set up. Um, so you can access that through our, through our website at uh, grassrootsrugby.ca. Um, and that's connected directly to the Canadian Rugby Foundation. Um, so anybody that donates here and, uh, you know, a little or a lot, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can sign up monthly or one-time donor. Um, and people that do donate, they get a tax receipt for that. Um, in the meantime, you know, we're kind of locked down here. So we can't, we're about to start our, our drive for, for secondhand rugby balls. Um, and secondhand boots. Um, what we do with the secondhand rugby balls is we actually we write the local club details on them and hand them out to kids at sessions. So almost like a business card for for the rugby clubs that we're working near. Um, and then just like Gary said, you know, we want to be able to give give boots away. So um, our postal address is on the website as well. So. Anybody out there that you know feels you know if you have an old rugby ball around, we'd love to have it, and uh, it'll make a good home. And ideally, we kind of then can transition these these kids that play in our summer programming into an actual club, and then there's a bit of a metric there for us to measure as well. And um, but yeah, for the most part, that that's that's how the public can help us and just you know keep spreading the good word and. 
um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just blown away with the support so far. So, so yeah. Gary, anything? Yeah, and thank drink, you, everybody. drink your coffee on Let's the sideline as well. Canadian people. Yeah. Yeah, they would be lovely. And then that circle keeps on going. But, um, Canadian public, if you get a chance, um, to sort of send your, your, your boots, your, your, your the rugby balls um, across that you're not, not using or want to donate, um, you know, please, um, it's the Canadian Rugby Foundation or the BC uh, um, Grassroots Rugby Foundation and easy to find on the web, so um, easy to send send it across. Now, we're going to wrap it up, I would think, as an hour we've been going and we're trying to do it 45 <laughs> minutes max and we never make it. So, <laughs> You know, but um, just want to thank you guys and just want to um, congratulate you on what you've done and just good luck with everything um, that you've been um, putting in place. And, you know, hopefully with COVID um, slowly moving on, we can we can do more. And, you know, we're we, we obviously there to support. So um, really exciting for you guys to to excited for you guys to see where where this leads um and yeah we we are just so everybody knows every time you you get to this podcast at the end we want to sort of tell you where we at and we uh, at the moment we've got a um one of our first coffee machines in an actual restaurant um you know in a shop is out there here in Twickenham. Um, so if anybody is around Twickenham at some point in their lives, come and find us at Citizen Brew at York, York Street, very close, not too far from the stadium. Um, and we do our coffees there. They do fantastic um, sort of food. They've got craft beer there. And, um, you know, the two owners, one is a Canadian from Ontario, um, and the other is a guy I know from London Scottish. So um, a fantastic new place to come and visit, and you'll get some good coffee as well. So <laughs> check that out. Um, and one other thing is the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup is happening in Twickenham. So we've got, I think they allowed 16,000 people into the stadium this weekend which is fantastic. So that is another thing that we can celebrate. So um, thank you, guys. Really um, happy that we have finally had a chance to do this. It's now after midnight here in the UK. So time for me to go to bed and time for you guys to carry on with your, your day, I would think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, um, Tennis and Courtney. And just, you know, I'm really looking forward to just building this thing with you guys and it's uh it's an incredible honor to have like-minded individuals like yourself working towards the goal to greater goal so um thank you for having having me on here it's a pleasure yeah i agree you guys are amazing and well done what, what you've done so far thank you thank you gary clay yeah thank you now last thing i've got my london cornish <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tinez, I've got my London Cornish rugby shirt on. Um, I coach there. I want to shout out for them. But what have you guys got on there before we start? Grassroots. Grassroots. This, is, this is my old 
my old high school from last year. And um, I, I had a shout out for my rugby club, Cowich and Rugby Club as well. Well, I'm supporting my parts of my life. Thanks, guys. I've actually, I, I see. I'm supporting my new country. New Zealand Rugby League. New country of New country of residence. Uh, very proud to be in Canada. Like and, it. Uh, most importantly, like thank you for your time, awesome. James. Well done. Cheers, fellas. Thanks, everyone.